Welcome to the Grace City Tampa podcast. My name is Alex Damari. Me and my wife, Brianna, are the lead pastors. Our vision is to lead people into a life-transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. We pray that today's podcast will build you up, lift your faith, and encourage you in the journey. Here's the message. Well, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 12. 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 12. We're in week three of our Heart of Worship series. We're talking about what it looks like to be a worshiper of the Most High God. We're talking about how we outlive that heart of worship day to day and why we take so much time in every time that we gather, whether team nights on a Sunday service, why we always take time to worship the Lord with songs. And today we're gonna be focusing on where we worship. Turn to the person next to you and say, where we worship. We're gonna be honing in on King David and what it looked like for him to worship and where he worshiped. So let's read 2 Samuel 6, starting in verse 12. It says, now King David was told, the Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and everything he has because of the ark of God. See what happened up to this point, a little backstory is David commissioned all the people to go get the ark of the covenant, the very presence of God, and bring it up to Jerusalem. And on the road, they encountered some problems with it. Some people died. They were fearful of it. Even says that David was angry with the Lord, didn't know what to do. So they left it in the household of Obed-Edom for three months. And then we see here in verse 12 that God began to bless the whole household because of the ark of God. So David went to bring up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. When those who were carrying the ark of the Lord had taken six steps, he sacrificed a bull and fattened calf. Wearing a linen ephod, David was dancing before the Lord with all his might. While he and all Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord with shouts and sounds of trumpets. As the ark of the Lord was entering the city of David, Michal, the daughter of Saul, watched from a window. And when she saw the king, David, leaping and dancing before the Lord, she despised him in her heart. They brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place inside the tent that David had pitched a tent for. And David sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings before the Lord. After he had finished sacrificing the burnt offerings and fellowship offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord Almighty. Then he gave a loaf of bread, a cake of dates, and a cake of raisins. Thanks a lot, King David. Um, To each person in the whole crowd of Israelites, both men and women, and all the people went to their homes. When David returned home to bless his household, Michal, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet him and said, how the king of Israel has distinguished himself today, going around half naked in full view of the slave girls of his servants as any vulgar fellow would. David said to Michal, it was before the Lord who chose me rather than your father or anyone from his household when he appointed me ruler over the Lord's people of Israel. I will celebrate before the Lord. Come on, that's a statement right there. I will celebrate before the Lord. I will become even more undignified than this. I will be humiliated in my own eyes, but by these slave girls you spoke of, I will be held in honor. 
The title of my message today is Unconfined Worship. Unconfined Worship. We're talking about where we worship. Let's pray over the preaching of God's word. Lord, we thank you for your word. Pray you'd speak to us, open up our perspective, give us eyes to see, ears to hear all that you wanna do in and through us today and give us a heart of worship. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you. I've always been someone who's loved music. And I grew up in a household where worship music was really the only thing we were allowed to listen to. So I've always been a person who's loved worship music. My parents were both worship leaders. I remember some of my earliest memories sitting behind the piano with my mom, and she'd give me pieces of gum during worship just to keep me quiet. You know what I'm saying? Back in the day when you had those big acoustic pianos, you could just hide behind there. I also remember some of my earliest memories of worship music in my house was when my mom would clean the house and she'd turn on the stereo as loud as it would go with Hillsong Worship, Darling Check, singing Shout to the Lord, all those kind of good songs, you know. I'll never forget Pine Soul in the Presence of God. You know what I'm saying? Pine Soul in the Presence of God, bringing back the memories. But I've always been someone who had a heart for worship and um, I remember being seven years old and for my birthday, my parents got me an anti-skip CD player, right? With some nice, big, fluffy blue headphones. And so what did I do? I went to the Bible bookstore, as any good little Christian boy who couldn't listen to secular music would. I walk into the Bible bookstore and I pick out my first CD, Stephen Curtis Chapman. And I'm telling you what, I cranked that thing everywhere I went. I remember moments of worship, moments in the presence of God alone in my room. Something happened though when I turned 12, because all of a sudden, on a Black Friday, I got to buy with my allowance an MP3 player. I got to put three whole albums on an MP3 player that could fit in my pocket and I could take it anywhere I wanted. I would worship everywhere with this MP3 player. I remember even getting a stereo put into my room and I'd put all my worship albums in there and I'd just crank it in my room, have worship moments in my room. When I got a license, I would listen to music in there, listen to worship music. I loved being someone who would worship in any atmosphere. But something really significant happened when I turned 16 because my dad walked me into a Verizon store for the first time. And he goes, pick out any cell phone, any flip phone you want, right? So I look down, I peruse through the, through the flip phones, and there's the flip phone with a built-in MP3 player and two speakers on the side. You know what I'm saying? Like, this was a game-changer kind of flip phone because you could have music and have a phone in the same thing. Now everybody's like, yeah, we get it. It's no big deal. iPhones can do everything. But back then, this was such a big deal. So what did I do? I found my favorite worship songs, loaded them on this thing, and I would walk down the halls of my school, cranking my music holding it up, right? I would go into any atmosphere. I'd be up, you know, for family dinner. I'd be going into stores. Like, it felt like a big boombox with some crappy little speakers. You know what I'm saying? Like, any environment I'd go in, I would be listening to this music. I had little prayer services every lunch at my school, and I'd pull out my phone and push play, and we would listen to worship music as we would pray. And it was such a great experience being able to have worship music out loud anywhere that I went. See, something significant happened in that moment because my private worship moments, the music that only I could hear, the songs I was only singing alone in my room, now became public. They became everywhere. It wasn't until I lost 
that phone when I was snowboarding that I stopped doing that and annoying everybody around me. But it was a significant thing because I remember annoying everyone around me and I quickly realized that my worship unto God was not confined to the spaces and the ideals that I had always put it in before, but now I could worship God anywhere and everywhere. And I think a lot of us in this room can partition out our worship and we can make things fit in our lives when, where they make the most sense or where it's logical. We can take worship unto God and say, that's just for the church. That's just for the first 15 minutes of church and maybe a song at the end, but that's my worship unto God. Maybe that's just for when I'm alone or maybe just when I'm commuting. But there's a greater assignment on all of our lives. See, worship is meant to be unconfined for every place and for every moment of our lives. This spiritual, emotional, mental, and physical response unto God. And I love how the psalmist writes in Psalm 151. It says, praise the Lord, praise God in his sanctuary, and praise him in the mighty heavens. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. It continues to go down till verse six, and it says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Come on, put your hand on your heart right now and say, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Come on, our innate design is to lift up praise to God in all moments and in all environments. Why? Because worship is meant to be a posture of our hearts rather than an appointment on our calendars. It's meant to be a posture of our hearts rather than an appointment on our calendars. And hear me, just like with King David, we carry the presence of the living God with us every step of every single day. Think about this, King David with his company, every six steps would stop, would set up an altar, would burn offerings to God and would worship, would sing, would play instruments, they would dance with all of their might. What would it have been like if King David would have had the Spirit of God living inside of him? Can I tell you that every single step, he would have stopped and given it to God. Every single place that he went, he would have given up a worthy offering of praise unto God. He would have laid his life down every step, every moment. And can I remind you today, through the work of what Jesus did on the cross and the sending of the Holy Spirit, we have the same presence that resided within the Ark of the Covenant, living within the temple of God, and that's each and every one of us. We carry the presence of God in every place we go. And David exemplified the powerful heart posture of honor, respect, love, adoration, celebration, joy, being undignified that we are to have when we're in the presence of God, which is everywhere, always. Amen? And David said it this way in Psalms 28, 7. He said, the Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him and he helps me. My heart leaps for joy, and with my song, I praise him. With my song, I praise him. So David is explaining what it looks like to worship God in all moments, what it looks like to have joy in all moments, presenting this offering of praise unto God. And when you live out that heart posture of worship, you find any moment you can and any space available to worship the Lord. You could be in the pit and still be worshiping. You could be on a mountaintop and still be worshiping. You could be in the wilderness and still be worshiping. You could be found in community 
and still be worshiping. You could be in the private, you could be in the public and still be worshiping. You could be at your house, you could be in your workplace, you could be at school, you could be on the river walk, you could be at the beach, you could be walking down the street, you could be in the shower and still be found worshiping because it's a heart posture. Are you with me, church? Something we have to understand is all creation, all creation is crying out in worship constantly. Creation doesn't have a gap in its praise. Creation doesn't have a gap, doesn't have a moment of stopping to praise God. In Psalms 119, verse one through four, it says, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, everybody say day after day. They pour forth speech, night after night. Say night after night. They reveal knowledge. They have no speech and they use no words. No sound is heard from them, yet their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words to the end of the world. In the heavens, God has pitched a tent for the sun. Do we see this today? Day after day, night after night, creation is shouting out the praise of God. It's not using words, it's just there. It's shouting to the glory, to the majesty, to the creator God, to the goodness of God, to the thoughtfulness of God. You can walk on the road and look down and go, look, creation is crying out to God. You can look to the sky and its complexity during the day and the sky and its complexity with the stars at night and say, it declares the praise of God. You can look at the ocean, the mountain, the wind, the rain, the lightning, the seasons, everything. All creation declaring out the unconfined praises of our God. There's no gap in the praise. There's no gap in the praise. So how could we, as God's design, the people that God created everything for, not praise louder, not sing louder than the very rocks that never stop? than the very ocean that never stops declaring his praise. How can we not sing louder? I think the only way to do that is to get a heavenly perspective of going, this isn't my home. This isn't what I'm gonna be doing for eternity. What are we doing for eternity? Praising, worshiping, honoring the creator God. Even Jesus explained all this to the Pharisees as he approached Jerusalem on the colt. He's surrounded by the disciples and people are laying down the palm branches. And in Luke 19, 38, we pick up the story. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And then some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, teacher, rebuke your disciples. They didn't understand what was going on. Teacher, rebuke your disciples. And Jesus said, I tell you, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. If they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. Why? Because creation keeps singing the praises of God. And if they're silent, you can't hold back the praise of the almighty creator. You can't hold back the glory and honor due to his name just because maybe people are staying quiet. No, he's saying, listen, they gotta sing louder. They gotta declare glory, honor, praise, peace in heaven. If creation praises at all time in every space and covers the earth with its praise, we have to know that our assignment is to praise louder in every sphere of life. This is our unconfined worship.
I think sometimes we prefer to be observers over participants in worship. Like we can't picture the idea of being worshipers in every space. And hopefully we think about these ideas, like hopefully our church never does an outdoor worship service. So I can just be comfortable in like my setting with air conditioning and like, this is like where it's okay to raise your hands and praise, but like if we're outside, like maybe I won't raise my hands because that's weird. You know what I'm saying? So we like to be observers rather than participants and things like this. That's why I even stopped you at the end. I was like, I said, lift up a shout of praise, right? Because in those moments, we're like observing, like, oh, the music is great, and this is great, and Kenzie has a great voice, and like Bobby's playing drums super great, and we're observers of worship rather than participants, and we wanna break that mold. That's why our team always is like, raise your hands, lift your voice, sing this out, right? We wanna be participants in worship. And it really got me thinking, when you're watching movies, rom-coms, a lot of times they'll get into this first date and they'll sit down in the restaurants and we all know this moment when they're sitting there and you're like convinced they're actually falling in love and this is the first time they've ever met, you know? You're like hoping they're gonna be together. But what happens is a lot of times, what happens, a song comes on and one of them will ask the other one, hey, do you wanna dance? And like they just get up in the middle and just dance in the middle of the restaurant like a bunch of crazy people. But for some reason, we're all just enthralled with it. We love these moments. We love how romantic it is, right? We love these moments and are inspired by their love and how they're unashamed and how they would show affection to the whole place regardless of what people think. I can't imagine ever asking Brianna on a date to get up in the middle of this place and be like, come on, babe. It's Applebee's, two for 20. Let's go for it, babe. Come on over. You know what I'm saying? Like, time to dance. And Now, I want you to hear me today. I'm not saying you need to stand in the middle of dining rooms and sing out a worship song to God. But what I am saying is, if we approached worshiping God with the unconfined mentality that everywhere I go, I'll be unashamed of the love, that everywhere I go, I will show my affection and my praise, regardless of what people say, regardless of if the mood is right, no matter if there's a deal on two for 20 or not. Can we be people that are unashamed? And think about it. God's creation is doing it all the time. So we just have to let our chorus of praise, honor, go to God in every moment. The reality of why we struggle to worship in every space is we think the thoughts of, what will others think about me? We think, what will their opinion be of me? What will their thoughts be of me? Will this be awkward for them? Will this turn them off towards me? Or maybe you're single and you think, I'll never get a spouse if I'm undignified or unconfined with my worship. But I want you to hear me today, as we read before, David experienced the same thing from his very own wife. He worships in spirit and truth. He celebrates God and is approached by Michal who says, how the king of Israel has distinguished himself today, going around half naked in full view of the slave girls of his servants as any vulgar fellow would. And David said to Michal, it was before the Lord who chose me rather than your father or anyone from his household when he appointed me ruler over the Lord's people. I will celebrate before the Lord. I will become even more undignified than this. And I will be humiliated in my own eyes. And you might say, Alex, 
I get it, but it's 2023. People are gonna think we're crazy. And I would push back and say to every single one of you today that David was the most influential leader in the world at this time. His kingdom and dominion and reign were stronger than any other. He was more wealthy than any other kingdom, right? His popularity and influence, he decided to stand up and say, I'm gonna be undignified. He had every right because every eye was on him. And he chose to say in every setting, I'm gonna be a worshiper of God. And what does he go to say? I'll become even more undignified than this. I'm not even scratching the surface. You might think I look crazy for God, absolutely. Everywhere, all times, I'll become even more undignified than this. Man, how many times have I as a pastor thought, and am I throwing people off or will my influence be affected by how crazy I look? And I'm challenged in the same way as every one of us in this room. I remember when we first started the church, I would stand on the front row and worship like I do, hands raised, shouting, clapping, dancing, jumping, moving back and forth. And I remember a couple like weeks in asking Brianna, I'm like, am I throwing everybody off with how crazy I am? Like, is this weird? Like, am I weird? And she goes, you're just worshiping like you always have. Why would you change it now? I was like, oh, okay, yep, you're right. But it's what we all do. Pastors aren't exempt. The leaders aren't exempt just because like this is, you know, we've like given every single thing, every moment of our lives to like building the local church. We're not exempt. I think that stuff all the while too. But we have to come and understand that God is calling us to be undignified. In every sphere, having an unconfined worship. And the reality is, is that people will hate and be thrown off by your expressive praising. But our unconfined worship should never be determined by what others say, but if we think it will please the heart of God. It should never be confined to what others say, but if we think it will please the heart of God. And when that happens, your praise can be unconfined. When you boil it all down, the fact is, you express what you value. You do what you envision. And it's easy to say you're gonna be a worshiper that is unconfined, but unless you put some vision behind it and some practical steps, you'll probably have confined worship. Here at Grace City Tampa, we have put just that behind it. Vision, perspective, priority, value to what we believe the heart of worship should look like here in this environment. It's derived from Psalms 100, but there's five key points of what our worship fits within here at Grace City Tampa. You might not know this. I want to go over it with you. Number one is celebration. Number two, declaration. Number three, thanksgiving. Number four, anthem. Number five, intimacy. Right? We've envisioned what is worship going to look like here at Grace City Tampa, and it sits within those five. Number one, celebration. We come in with an attitude and a heart of joy. We start every service with a fast song. Why? Because we're gonna come in and celebrate the king and what he's done in our lives. We're gonna come with great joy and dancing undignified like David did. 
Number two is declaration. We want our songs to be declaring who God is and what he's done for us. So you'll hear songs all across this platform where we're declaring the praises of God. It's a declaration of our lives. Number three is a song of thanksgiving. We lift up thankful hearts. It puts perspective on the fact that we deserve nothing and God has everything. So we give him credit and thanksgiving for everything. Number four is an anthem. Why? Because we are coming together with one voice in one accord to sing the praises of God. One could put a thousand to flight, two could put 10,000 to flight, right? We come with an anthem and declare the praises of God in one voice. And the last one is intimacy. And just like, King Solomon, who wrote these songs of a relationship with God and this intimate relationship, we're called into a relationship with God. So we sing songs that can reflect on that relationship and grow you closer and, and draw your heart near to God in a relationship with him. These five categories give us a roadmap to collectively touch the heart of God and to change the earth with our praises. It's very strategic. Come on, you do what you value. You do what you envision. We have to value and envision what we want to become. If we're gonna be people who have the heart of worship, we have to do what we value, we have to do what we envision. We gotta be people with the heart of worship. I'm gonna invite the band up. I believe where King David gave us a beautiful roadmap of what it looks like to worship everywhere. And I wanna go over these very quickly with you. I picked out six of my favorite places where David worshiped. And I think it's important to understand the context and the spaces where he worshiped. Number one, if you're taking notes, David worshiped in the fields. David worshiped in the fields. It's the secret place. It's the quiet place when no one else is watching. Just you and God, lifting a song, writing a song that no one else is ever gonna hear. We see it all through the Psalms when he's, he's describing creation. He's talking about being in the fields. He's talking about watching after sheep and the relation of what God has to us as human beings. You see these songs that were written in the secret and the quiet places. We gotta find the secret in the quiet place. Where do we worship? In the fields. Secondly, where we see David worshiped is in the presence of Saul. When Saul was still king, tormented by an evil spirit, it says in the word that he would often call upon David to come play his instrument and sing. And the worship would change the atmosphere. The anointing on David's life that was developed in the fields came into a public space and it said that the evil spirit would leave Saul. Come on, in the presence of others, for others breakthrough, we gotta sing praises to God. We gotta worship God. I remember when I was a young worship leader, about 15 years old and singing worship and this older lady came up to me after church and said, she's had this pain in her back for the last year. And during the song I was singing, Break Every Chain, she said the pain left her back. Come on, there's power in the worship when we worship in the space of other people, amen? Number three is in the battles. Where did David worship? In the battles. In Psalms 20, it says this, now this I know, the Lord gives victory to his anointed. He answers him from his heavenly sanctuary with the victorious power of his right hand. 
Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. They are brought to their knees and fall, but we rise up and stand firm. Lord, give us victory to the king. Answer us when we call. So we see this, that in the midst of battle, in the midst of trial, in the midst of struggle, David ran to worship. David ran to singing songs to God, to writing songs to God, to declaring his praises in the midst of the hardest battles of his life. People putting their trust in all the things around them. How many times do we do that? Putting our trust in, oh, I have enough money in my savings account just to make it through. I'm putting my trust in that. David ran in the battle to worship. Number four, where David worshiped was in the failure. In the failure. And after the moment where he committed adultery with Bathsheba, got her pregnant and killed her husband, he was confronted and with a repentant heart, he approached God at Psalms 51.10, where it says, create in me a pure heart, O God, and a steadfast spirit within me. So in the midst of his failure, he didn't try to run from God, he didn't try to hide from God, he ran to worship God. Number five, where David worshiped was in the congregation. As David was approaching the end of his time as king, he was gathering all the supplies to build the temple. This was his ultimate goal with his life, yet he got to the end of his days and wasn't able to build the temple, so he was getting all the supplies ready so his son Solomon could build this incredible temple. And you know what he did in the gathering of all the people, in the gathering of all the equipment for the temple? First Chronicles 29, 10. David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly saying, praise be to you, Lord, the God of our father Israel from everlasting to everlasting. Come on, in this congregation sense, he lifts up the praise. He lifts up the eyes of the people and says, listen, we gotta praise the God Almighty. So in the congregation of believers, that's why we do what we do every Sunday, coming together, lifting our eyes, giving God praise. And number six, David worships in the public eye. Second Samuel verse, or chapter six, he's undignified in front of all the people, all the nation, all the country, all the servants. What does it say? Michal says, in full view. Everyone can see every side of what you're doing. Nothing false about what you're, you're right in the middle, full view. In the public eye we worship. And I think these things give us perspective, and I don't think this list is limited. I think there's so much more to David's life, and I would encourage you to read the Psalms and just expand your mind, expand your view of what worship can look like, but I pray these six give you some sort of idea in your own life to do what you value and do what you envision. Be a person who has a heart of worship in every space, everywhere. I believe there's a daily step we have to take to be unconfined worshipers. The step is found in the famous hymn written by Fanny Crosby in 1879. And it says this, maybe just close your eyes and listen to me say this. She wrote, take the world, but give me Jesus. All its joys are but a name, but his love abides forever through eternal years the same. 
Oh, the height and depth of mercy. Oh, the length and breadth of love. Oh, the fullness of redemption. Pledge of endless life above. Take the world, but give me Jesus. Sweetest comfort of my soul. With the Savior watching o'er me, I can sing through thunder's roll. Take the world, but give me Jesus. In his cross, my trust shall be. Till with clearer, brighter vision, face to face, my Lord, I see. This holds so much power because she gives a perspective and a view of saying, to get more Jesus, it's less of us. We sing a song, you keep on getting better. We, no, God's the same, he's constant. Oh, but when I become less, I see more of God. When I die to myself, I get a better glimpse of who God is. And I keep experiencing the new mysteries and glory and presence. He's endless. So our heart posture has to be daily. Take the world, God. I just want you. Daily has to be, Holy Spirit, I want a fresh baptism today. Empower me to do the work of the ministry, to be a worshiper of you. It's a daily sacrifice. Amen. Would you stand to your feet? I just want to give a moment for anybody in the house today that you hear me talking and you go, man, I hear what you're saying and I'm so inspired by it and I, I want to be someone who has a heart of worship, but maybe you haven't taken the first step into what it means to be a worshiper of God. And we just want to give a moment for you to acknowledge that you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life. I'm going to count to three. And at the count of three, I'm going to ask you to just raise your hand, acknowledging that you're saying, you know what, today I'm going to turn from my life and I'm going to turn to God. I want him to take the world and I just want Jesus. One, if every eye could be closed and head bows just to give a moment of privacy for anybody. I'm gonna count to three. One, know that God loves you so much. He sent his one and only son for you so that you could know life and life in abundance. Two, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. You don't need to wait any longer. You don't need to have all the answers. This is just a moment to reflect and say, you know what, right here, I declare that Jesus is Lord. Three, if that's you, would you raise your hand? You wanna give your life to Jesus. I see your hand over here. Praise the Lord. Anybody else wanna give your life to Jesus in this house? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. You can put your hands down. In just a moment, the team is going to pray a prayer with you. And if you raise your hand, I ask that you'd pray that for the first time. And we want to celebrate with you the step you just took to change your life and change your eternity and be in relationship with the Father. Can I get every eye looking up here? I think there's something significant that David did that we have to understand. In 2 Samuel 6, 13 through 14, when those who were carrying the ark of the Lord had taken six steps, they sacrificed a bull and a fattened calf. Wearing a linen ephod, David was dancing before the Lord with all his might. With all his might. That word might can be defined as strength. With all of his strength. Everything he could muster up. It wasn't 
the comfortable thing to do. I'm sure he was exhausted. I'm sure he didn't feel like worshiping. I'm sure the environment wasn't always great. It was probably hot. It was probably cold. All the things, all the variables could have been going wrong. But what did King David do? With all of his strength, with all of his might, he worshiped the Lord. I think this is the call for all of us today. We gotta be people who overcome what it feels like physically. We gotta be people who overcome what it feels like mentally. We gotta be people who make the choice daily to say, moment by moment, I'm gonna have a heart of worship. Amen. So we're gonna sing a song right now. The team is gonna lead us. And I encourage you, just like David, with all of his might, you might not feel like it, you might be wondering who's looking at me, don't worry about it. Be someone who worships with all of your might in every moment. So I'd encourage you, raise your hands, sing out, declare to God. Let's sing the song of worship to the Lord. Thank you for listening to the Grace City Tampa podcast. Stay tuned for more weekly messages from our church.